What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Real Estate Virgins podcast. We are so excited to have you, Virgin Nation out there. Thanks for, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Um, if you're new to this channel, this channel is all about helping new real estate agents amplify their business. That's what we're looking to do in 2023, and we want you along for the journey. Uh, my name is Jordan Brown, one of your hosts. We've also got John Michael Perez over here. Hello. And guys, this, this episode I am super stoked to have. Uh, this guest that we have for you today has grown a YouTube empire for his real estate career. He is a platinum top 50 Austin realtor, owner of the Knight Group, and his YouTube channel, as I mentioned, has over 14,600 14, uh, subscribers right now. Welcome to the Real Estate Virgins podcast, Jeremy Knight. Thanks for having me. I appreciate <gasps> it. The crowd's going crazy. <laughs> oh, man. That was a, quite the intro. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us. Like we said, uh, this podcast is very aimed at educating newer agents, like showing that there's different ways to succeed in real estate. Uh, we always joke that we make the mistakes so that people don't have to. Yeah. Oh, man, good. And so <laughs> that's what we're all about. Um, you know, we're going to get into the YouTube side of things. But first and foremost, uh, we want to get to know who Jeremy Knight is as a person uh, before he was a realtor. Yeah, I like long walks on the beach. And uh, no, so uh, I got into real estate about nine years ago. I'd been working at Costco for 14 years. I was running their man there. I was a manager there running different departments. And uh, I realized that my potential was capped. Like I really couldn't pass through that. There's a lot of things I was like, man, I have this degree that's like really not going to anything. So I started looking around and, you know, I'd always wanted to do real estate. So I started looking at ways to put together a good business plan and things like that. And I left Costco and uh, I did like the Vikings do. I burned the ship behind me. Mm. Like I, I gave myself no outs. I think this is the biggest problem most new agents make is they always give themselves an out, right? Mm. Oh, I can go back and work here. I was literally like, I am not going to back to work at Costco. After a 14 year career at Costco, it was my college job through college, worked my way up the management. Trainer. It's crazy that you say that because I, I worked at a Kirby Lane for four years and I was a waiter for eight total. And I just recently went to Kirby Lane. And I was like, I'm never coming back here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I still shop at Costco. Great company. They yeah. do a lot of great things. But for what I want to do in life, it just wasn't wasn't like the best fit for me. Right? I feel the same way. Yeah. I mean, I worked at AT&T for five years, did the whole corporate ladder thing. And at a certain point, you like once you experience the freedom that real estate can provide you, yep. it's like I will fight to not go back to that. 100%. Like the soulless space, the void of your career. It's just like, man, like I love what we do with real estate. I love the the passion behind like when you get a good agent, you feel it. Right. It's a different experience than like a discount agent or a uh, someone who Part is time. just, yeah, or like a transactional person who isn't in it for the people. So yeah. um, I love that we're all, we're all have our backgrounds there and we're all on the same page as far as I don't want to go back to that. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. So where are you from? So, oh, that's a good question. So, I don't tell people that I'm from California. But guys, guys, say no, 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 stay listening. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So it's interesting. So I actually was born in Phoenix, grew up in Phoenix, moved to Central California, lived there. And as soon as I could leave Central California, I booked it, went back to Arizona State, went, went to Arizona State. Um, my, but my, I met my wife after school and uh, we moved to San Diego, bought a house in San Diego. And that's kind of how I started my real estate career really was in San Diego buying that first property. And so after that, I really got into wanting to buy more properties. And then we moved to Austin, 2000, 
beginning of 2013. Very nice. So you actually got the the real estate bug from buying your first property. Yeah, I mean, I always wanted, like in the back of my mind, I, I thought real estate would be a great career for me. My, my degree was actually, believe it or not, geography, GIS. So, um, you know, I, I was offered jobs out of college doing plans for the for the city, right? So, you know, doing urban development and stuff like that. And so that's why real estate always intrigued me. Yeah. And so it just took 14 years to finally go, all right, I'm out pulling the ripcord and gone. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Did you, so when you bought that first property, did you have the idea that this is going to be an investment or were you look more so thinking about like, this is going to be my primary residence. I'm, I'm going to be here for a long yeah. time. Yeah. That's a good question because I think, um, most people when they buy a home, their emotions that they're going to live in, right? Their emotions take over. And so on my YouTube channel, this is what I talk about. And it's crazy. I said this in a video probably eight months ago. And literally last week, somebody they reached out to me and said, Hey, you said this eight months ago. But uh, what I said is if even if you're buying a home to live in, you have to think about it as an investment. Because what happens with most people is that they'll go buy in a new construction neighborhood. They're not planning on staying there for more than a couple of years. And now when they go to sell, their biggest competitor is the builder that they bought from. And so people get into trouble with that. That number one. And the second thing is like people just don't pay attention to the tax rate and how that'll impact them when they're, they're trying to get, you know, an affordable home or an entry level home. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Absolutely. Um, so why Austin? Like we all have our reasons for why Austin came up yeah. on our map um, from going from Arizona to California. What was the the thinking behind Austin's the place to go? Uh, that a great question. So I grew up in central California, which is not the California that people think of, right? People think of the beach. I literally grew up in the armpit of California, <laughs> right? If you could imagine a very cold, hot, stinky place, that's where I grew up. And Austin is that cold, hot, stinky place in Texas. So it's great. There we go. It was like <laughs> no. the natural fit. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's just, you know, the, the laid back vibe that I got living in central California was nice. You got a lot of those same things. People here are a lot more laid back. The, you got rolling hills being here in Austin. You have a lot of outdoor activities, and that's what I love. I, you know, living in San Diego, you really do live outdoors for the most part. And so what I loved about Austin is it married that kind of like chill, laid back, nobody's really bothering anybody, but they want to offer you a beer type mentality. And that was the craziest thing. When I started selling real estate in Austin, I started door knocking every single time. So I'd be like, hey, you want a Lone Star? You want to come in for a beer? Every single time. Nice. <laughs> I, I mean, there wasn't, I don't remember a time where I wasn't offered beer. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's yeah. a and that's a great uh hey, if, if you're into beer, go door knocking, man. Door knock. In yeah. Texas, that's yeah. the place to go do it. That's a lot of beer to drink. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you wanna sell your house? No, no, you no, I don't. But hey, do you want a loan, sir? I do. Let's, Actually, let's yeah. 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 Uh so your bread and butter is YouTube, I would For say. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what got you into YouTube? That's that's a very loaded question. So uh when I started looking at ways to reach clients, one thing I had is that I always wanted to put together a catalog of something where if clients had questions, I could say, okay, here's the answers to those. Because after a while, you kind of get tired of answering the same question over and over and over again. When I looked at Facebook and what was the video platforms back then, really, if you put something on Facebook, it was gone. You couldn't really categorize it and say, oh, go find this. Somebody had to be on there. 
Whereas with YouTube, if I had a video, I could take that link, send it to a client. I could put it into, um, you know, I literally just did that before this. Yeah. Literally like I, you know, I could send a client that, or I could put a blog post or I could send out a, a, a monthly newsletter to my, my database and throw that in there. And so I looked at it from that aspect, like all the questions that I get answered, I can make really cool videos about that. And so I started doing that. And then somebody said to me one day, they're like, you know, I like your channel. It's, it's good. You know, you're doing a lot of videos about homes and things like that. That's cool. But nobody's talking about where to live in Austin. Mm -hmm. When I started looking to move here, and this is like 2017, 2018. Um, actually, no, this is closer to 2019. Um, so I was like, man, that's, that's really interesting. So I started quickly changing my content to be a little bit more about what to expect when you get here and not look Austin. And I tell this to people all the time. Austin sells itself. Like as a real estate agent, you don't have to really sell Austin. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't, you, what, what happens though is so many agents want to sell, 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 instead of really talk about the things that are really going to impact people. So it's hard to actually build trust when you're just selling. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just give people the information they need to know, let them make up their mind on what's best for them or uh, help them make up the best decisions instead of sell them. Yeah. That's such a great point. I love that you were able to identify like, Hey, I need to switch up the content to, to answer the needs that my buyers have. Right. So there's obviously this this demographic, this pe these people that are watching who aren't getting the exact answers they're looking for. And you're like, I'm going to fill that space. Yep. I'm not going to wait for someone else to do it like this. It's on me. And what's cool about that, too, is when you build an audience of people, you'll get your next video ideas in the comments. Mm -hmm. And so what will happen is for me, a lot of times, you know, I'll ask questions in the videos just because I, I want to know what people are are what people are actually going through because as a real estate agent, we're on one side of a transaction. We see, we see what one side is, but we don't actually get to really ever, unless we go buy a house every six months, we don't really know what it's like to buy a house that time of the year. Right. Right. Like personally buy a home that time of the year. So it's good because you actually get direct feedback from what people are actually facing. And then what's cool is like, a really good comment can spur a really good video. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think everybody says with YouTube, like consistency, consistency, consistency. For sure. But for you, how long did it take to be consistent to start seeing results? Um, you know that whole thing where I said I turn around and burn the boats leaving Costco? Yeah. I said, look, I'm going to put my eggs in this basket. And if I'm putting my eggs in this basket, I got to be consistent with it because. So you started out with YouTube? No, I, I sold a lot of real estate before YouTube. Okay, okay. So I think that's a good thing too, is like I had a good catalog. You know, we were already, you know, platinum top 50 finalists. We were already doing all the things and I wanted to reach more people that were, were, had more questions. Mm. And so that's why I really started making the content. But I realized that with YouTube, just like anything. So it, there's a lot, agents spend so much money on things that are so expensive and they get them zero business because they think they're going to get them, it's going to get them business. Right. And so the spend thousands of dollars on mailers for four months mm -hmm. and then they don't get anything out of it. And they're like, I've spent three grand on mailers. I'm done. Well, the biggest problem is have you ever seen that meme? It's two people, uh, digging towards a diamonds. Yes. You have the guy that's so close and turning around and the guy that's digging. And I realized if I was the guy that just kept digging, no matter what the views were, no matter what, uh, you know, what the feedback was, if I just kept digging and being consistent at a certain point, it was going to pay off. I didn't know when that was going to be. I didn't even know if it was actually going to pay off. But as I started being more consistent, people started dropping more comments. Mm -hmm. So I was getting more feedback. And so once I was able to get more feedback, it actually fueled 
the need to continue to push out more content and being more consistent. And what's crazy about it is I have not missed a week of content in about a hundred and 27 weeks wow that's, that's awesome. did y'all hear that that's and we preach that we, all the time we always say that <laughs> it, it doesn't matter what your thing is right yeah. some people they love door knocking some people they love doing social open media houses, open houses whatever your thing is do it consistently yeah. do it a lot and and there's gonna and even be if you don't see results keep doing it yeah there's gonna be times where you know i'm sure like the first few videos you put out you'll probably look back on those and you're like Wow. Yeah. And so what's cool about that is like I give talks now being at the brokerage that we're at a real, um, I give a lot of time back to agents as far as like trainings on stuff like that. And that's what I, it's a lot of what I teach agents is just that right there. Yeah. Hmm. That's awesome. I want to, before we go back into YouTube, um, you know, I wanted to get a, I always ask this cause we just had Mandy bots on. Mm -hmm. She was an awesome interview as well. Um, Zillow, a few weeks ago, released an article saying Austin's market is ice cold. Mm. What's your take on that? Well, I mean, look, there's a lot of like big YouTube channels out there that are saying the same thing. Are they from actually from Austin? Well, one rented in Austin and now is renting in Dallas, which is okay. quite hysterical. <laughs> um, yeah, rents got too high for my guests. So yeah. the challenge with Austin is that we do face a lot of things headwinds. And I think we saw so much action over a two to three year, two and a half year time frame that when somebody says ice cold, they're only giving you part of what's actually happening. They're, they're doing it for a click. I mean, legitimately look at my YouTube channel. It's all clickbait thumbnails and titles. And the, what's the title is a lot of the time I'm actually arguing against that in the, in the, in the video. Right. So, so I get where they're going to say that, but Zillow was also the same company last year saying that we were going to see 17% at the end of the year. So how much do you really believe Zillow? How much do you really then, believe Redfin? How much do you really believe half the crap that comes out there? I think there's some legitimacy in what those big YouTube channels say about the market crashing and the pricing and, and the headwinds, but you're only getting one side of it. The boots on the ground does matter. And they always go, the boots on the ground don't matter. It's all the data. Okay. Well, data is very important. But it only gives you half of the, half of the pie, right? I mean, I just put a listing up yesterday, and we're already getting an offer, and I'm like, "This is a nice cold." The last, the <laughs> last. Uh, so I have some clients moving from Florida to here, and two of the three homes that we have put offers in on are multiple offers, yep. 100%. and within the first week. Yep. So, and I think you know, there's multiple factors there, right? So you can spin it one way or another. I can say two, you know, two thirds of my offers have been multiple offers. Well, they're also hella competitively priced yeah so like those homes are going to attract that right so I, I think a lot of that happened too because look we went from a median at 667 at the high and it dropped down and nobody knew where to price in that six no. months now people have a little bit more agents have a little bit more ability to look at what's happened over the six months and predict potentially where prices should be. So now we're a little bit more informed. Sellers are a little bit more informed because if you imagine the month before things were selling for 667, if you're a seller, why would I not want to list it at 675? Right. But the the beyond the next month was at like 630. So that's a pretty big drop. And then it went back up and then down, 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 down. So I, I understand where they're trying to say these things to get clicks, views. But at the same time, like, we are all seeing multiple offers right now. I had a listing appointment last week and I'm looking over the comps and I'm like, oh my God, 550, 600, 
400 and he's somewhere in the middle. Seems like they're all over the place right now. I'm like, what's going on? Like the, uh, and so basically we, we figured out a price somewhere in the middle, but, uh, quick question to go back and I apologize. I'm going backwards a little bit, but how long did it take you to get your first sale from YouTube? Um, it, it took about four months. Okay. Yeah, I'm talking. That was consistent, like every week. Yeah, being consistent. So I started being fully consistent and dedicated. Literally December 2019 is when I. If you go back and look at my catalog of of where things changed, it's literally December 2019. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hit, and I was like, "Shit, nobody's gonna watch my YouTube videos. Nobody's gonna care about moving to Austin." And instead of just quitting, I thought, "Well." Here's the deal. YouTube's evergreen. So mm-hmm. all the content I can put out right now and shove out there right now is just going to be watched later on. Right? So it's going to get searched somehow and somebody's going to see it later on where nobody's searching Facebook for information. So all of those videos I was making all started getting watched and then they started getting watched and then they watched and then it was just like the steamroll effect. And I talked to a lot of agents right now that are kind of following my formula or making it their own or whatever and they're getting leads within a month. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, the, the dynamics have changed a little bit about how YouTube works. Um, it took me three years to figure out how to do YouTube the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, uh, you know, you had just talked about consistency and like everyone's results will vary, right? Sometimes he it said takes- that quickly, though. He said it took him three years to get YouTube the right way, right? Right. And once I realized how to do it the right way, then, because that's the thing is no, like, mm. everybody tells you to do Instagram. Everybody tells you to do reels. Everybody tells you to do all this crap. And unless you actually have a very good plan in place, mm. you're not going to do very well. And so I was putting out content. I was putting out all this content. And I'm like, man, why am I not getting business? Mm. And then I did the thing that most agents think they need to do. And I started putting money behind that content. Mm. I run at a 90% margin right now because I don't put money behind my content. Wow. So what would you say, and I we ask a lot of agents this, is like, what percentage are you, of your time, are you putting towards actually advertising, marketing, YouTube, everything, and then actually working with clients? What percentage of that is? Um, so as far as like putting together YouTube content on a weekly basis, about five to eight hours. So I just hired a guy that we're actually filming once a week and we're actually going and doing property tours and things like that. I'm creating a secondary kind of spinoff channel from that. So we're building up a big rep, like, you know, database of, of properties and things like that. But the reality is I'm reading as much as I can throughout the week just to educate myself, educate clients. Mm. And I have kind of like a template of what my video should be the next week. So I broke it down into weekly buckets. So this week is this, this week's this, this week's this. So when I start to do that video, I'm like, oh, I've just read three articles about this. Here's the three articles I should use to create that. And then here I go. It takes me about an hour, hour and a half to really come up with a good dialogue of what I'm going to say. Uh, I literally just turn on a camera and start filming. And I think that's why people like my content the way it is. It's not scripted, but I edit it down. Like if you watch the pre-cut, it's me cussing at myself. And <laughs> I'm like, the same way, yeah. dude. I'm the yeah. same way. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send it to John every now and then. I'm like, look at this. Look how ridiculous I look right now. And like yeah. how, how crazy yeah. I sound. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll go through and then I'll edit that, you know, 15 minute, 
video down to eight to 10 minutes and I'll cut out a lot of the ums, the uhs, all that good stuff. And then I'll shoot over my editor. He adds in all the B roll. So really it takes me about three hours a week. The rest of the week sent. I mean, I do a lot of podcasts with different people. I do a lot of stuff with our brokerage as far as like trainings and stuff during the week. So I would say on average, I'm on video and video related about 10 to 15 hours. And then the rest of it's all just selling properties. Nice. Mm -hmm. So I, I noticed something you said there and we'll get back to, um, I want you to be able to kind of say like YouTube the right way, yeah. right? So we'll we'll go dive into that in a little bit. But I wanted to go back pre YouTube. You had mentioned you were already like a, a platinum top fifty yeah. finalist. How long after you became licensed did you start to see like momentum growing in your business and going? This is a career for me. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I burned the ships out out the gate. So I figured. Uh, I started with KW. They had great training back then. I don't. I don't know now. I, I don't. I don't know much about them now. But um, they had great training, and I literally sat next to everybody I could and learned everything I could in a very short amount of time, and just started implementing all of it. I was cold calling four to five hours a day. I was door knocking. I was doing op three open houses a week. I was running every single day, and so I think anybody that's getting in the industry right now they automatically go, okay, I'm a realtor. I'm just going to start throwing stuff on Instagram. And then, oh, why? Well, I don't have any business. I'm doing Instagram. I'm, I'm pointing at stuff that disappears. Okay. That doesn't always translate to business. Where did you get your passion from? I, n I was never going to go back to work at Costco. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. a powerful thing. Like the, that, that need to like not yeah. have yeah. that again. And anybody in your family or any mentors or anybody that you saw and were like, I got to, it, it, it really, uh, you know, it was an influence on you. I always grew up doing sports. I mean, I, I played baseball, I played water polo, I swam. So I was always doing sports. So I was always semi-competitive. You know, I always wanted to be the mm -hmm. best on the field. I was in Boy Scouts. I think Boy Scouts really set a good structure as far as like having a structure, how to structure your finances, all of that good stuff. So I definitely got to say that those things definitely molded me into the person that after, after working at 14 years at Costco, trying to get up to the top of that funnel and going, man, this just is not going to be what I want. And then, and, and having that, that ceiling too. Yeah. Knowing that there was a ceiling. I think yeah. that was the biggest part. There's a ceiling. Yeah. I can get all that stock and all that crap. That's great. But, uh, I can't dictate what my year is going to be mm. right now. If I don't want to work, okay. I don't have paychecks. And so I think that's the biggest thing for most agents is the days you stop doing the, I always tell people this, especially realtors, this, what do you think 96% of your job as an agent is 96, 96% of your job, uh, lead generating, finding your next client. Yeah. yeah. Lead generating 4% is doing all of that other stuff. So if you can find a way to leverage your lead generating in an effective way, that's going to reach people where you can sleep and it's still touching people, then you've done it right. And so boom, we talk about systems all the that time. That was it. Yeah. And, and that cut. We're done. Cut. That's it. All right. <laughs> Mic drop. We're out. Yeah. I mean, people people always think like you have to set up this machine. There has to be something that's working for you again while you're asleep. Can you step away from vacation and still know that you're getting your content out there, that you're still lead generating? Yeah. You know, it doesn't just stop when you stop. So that's that's incredible. That's I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I was hanging out with this. He's pretty much a billionaire. And he was like, John. Can you leave your business for a few months and come back and you made more money than when you left? And I was like, not right now. No. Yeah. And so he was like, you need to build your machine. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's a big part of it. And so you had mentioned, uh, you know, doing YouTube the right way. 
what is the right way? What is, what does that look like? Number one is being consistent. That is the biggest key because here's the thing. YouTube is a search engine. That's a hundred percent what it is, right? It's, it's an auxiliary of Google. In fact, if you were just a Google top realtor in Austin, you're going to see my videos. Like you're going to see a bunch of like paid ads and then me for free right there. Man. Right. Because it's, you're going to see videos of Austin and you're going to see my videos right there. And so, um, for what was the question? Oh, oh okay. it was the best Doing way. YouTube yeah, the right yeah, way. Right way. So consistency is number one. So whatever that consistency is. So my consistency is I have one video per week that hits 8.45 a.m. on Tuesday. That's it. What made you pick 8.45 a.m.? Uh, I, I started looking at my analytics you know, 845 isn't actually the best time for me to put my video. 11 o'clock would be a better time, but by 11 o'clock, I'm already. So when that hits, I'm already out doing other stuff. So I can't really respond to comments. Mm -hmm. I can't help give a little bit of YouTube juice by, you know, messing with the thumbnail or the title. If I realize it's not taken off the way I want it to. So 845 is that time. It's right before nine o'clock. If people are in the car, they can put it on the car on their drive in. It's uh seven in California or six 45 in California. So as people are waking up, it's in their inbox. So, and it on the other side, it's nine 45 in in New York. So, so it's given them plenty of time. Yeah, it's to... yeah. And so I look through the analytics really the, where I get the most views is between 11 and one on, on lunchtime. On, yeah, yeah. Lunchtime. So the video's out, it's already got momentum. It's already binging people's inboxes. So, uh, that, that's one aspect is being super consistent. I do a live stream on there. We were doing it weekly. Now we do it every other week. Uh, the live streams are phenomenal because then I can take clips from that, put it out. Nice. It's super easy to use StreamYard and and to produce those. So that would be number one. Number two is you have to create content that people are actually searching for. So you have to find a question and answer it. So if you can find if you can find ways to find the questions that buyers are asking, or maybe yeah, or sellers too. I mean, I, I get a lot of uh, seller clients from the YouTube channel. They're like, hey, I trust you. We bought this house without you. We knew we should have bought it. Now we need to sell it. So we we're just using you. Um, but they have questions too. So what's happening in the market? How is the market impacting them? How does this job? How does this business closing going to impact them in that area? So basically take and find the questions that people are asking and answer those. Right. So you marry those two things and you'll be successful. Hmm. So what would you say? Like, for example, uh, I see people posting on for like short form, short form content, yeah. a lot of like, here's my top three favorite restaurants in Austin. Hmm. How does that fare compared to, uh, you know, Tesla doubles down on investment in Austin area. Like those are two completely different yeah. videos and two different kind of different demographics. Yeah. I think, you know, everybody's got to create their own audience. And so if your audience is a foodie audience that wants that information and you can marry it in with real estate, then fine. I don't typically do any of that content. It just doesn't fit my style or my channel. I may do a video where I'm sitting at a restaurant and then it's going to lead to that neighborhood or the house we're listing or something to do with why this area is blowing up. Right. So a good example would be, I do a lot of content. I I, I spent a lot of time actually at cosmic coffee and I run into people <laughs> that watch the YouTube channel all the time there, but I'll, I'll start filming stuff every now and then while I'm there. And the, the tough part is, is just the audio because they have uh, music playing and right. I get hit with, you know, YouTube strikes or not strikes, but you know, the copyright claims yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but 
like let's that's an example. So I have a listing right down the street. So I may start a video where like, hey, this is cosmic coffee. It's amazing. You're in 78704. You get great coffee over here, but let me tell you why this is special. Let me go show you the house that we're gonna talk about. So something like that might marry the the real estate because if you're just talking about the top three places, how does that really translate to real estate? Yeah, it confuses the message of like right. what you're trying to attract. Right. It's I'm I'm not your foodie expert, I'm your real estate expert. Now, if you didn't want to get real estate clients out of it, and if that's not I mean, and your goal may not to get clients. It may just be to make content about the city you love. Totally awesome. But it, it may not translate to creating a business model you want. I love that. So Being, we've talked about, so real quick, we've talked about the machine, right, yeah. is YouTube. Uh, what does that process look like? Let's say somebody reaches out to you yeah. from YouTube. Um, what does that process look like? Yeah, I've actually had to tweak this. In fact, if you look at my YouTube channel, I now have a phone number on there, but I had to take my phone number off mm. because people were just calling me like 9 a.m. on Sunday. Hey, I want to go see a house today at 9 a.m. on Sunday. I'm like, bro. <laughs> hey, I have 13 questions to ask you about a duplex that I just want free information on. Uh, so I had to really like, I had a lot of people just reaching out to me for free information because Google, YouTube, it's search engine, free information. We are going to give us free information. So I've really had to tool that back a little bit. So usually when people reach out to me, I have a questionnaire. I send to them immediately. And in that questionnaire, if, if they answer those questions in a way that I think that they could be a decent client to work with, then I'll respond to it and we'll set up a time to meet. Uh, that that's usually how the system works. I love that. That's pretty cool. That love it, it's respecting your time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's one thing about real estate is there's a lot of uh, vampires, right? There's information vampires. 100%. Whether it's other, you know, uh, other brokerages calling you, trying to get you to come over to them, or whether it's you know people calling exactly what you said, where hey, I've got this duplex. I've you know, should I do this, this, or this? And they have no intention of actually working with us. And it's like, mm -hmm. like you got to value your time. Yeah. And part of that is setting up a system, as Jeremy said, of you know feeding or weeding out the. The BS from the good stuff. Yeah. So is the questionnaire like a Google form or is it like a website type form or what is it? Yeah, I have two. One, one is directly from my website, so it, it feeds everything in there. Uh, the other is a Google form. So I'll have a Google form every now and then I'll put out like, hey, are you searching? And then it'll you can answer the questions, I get them, and then I'll reach out to you. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. Are there certain metrics that you're looking for with your YouTube videos? So, for example, there's click-through rate, mm -hmm. um, the average duration watched. Like, what are you, when you put a video out, what do you look at and you go, that was a good video? It depends on the video, right? Every video has... Every video I make actually has a different audience for it because, like I said, I have four different kinds of buckets. So, number one, I look at the engagement. If I'm not getting any engagement on the video as far as, like, you know, a lot of times I'll ask questions in the video. What do you think? How does this impact you? Things like that. So, what will happen is a lot of times if I don't get engagement from it, I already know that video is going to suck. Gotcha. Right? Or as far as suck as far as views go. Now, I always tell agents when in, in training and, and when I'm doing, like, classes and stuff on YouTube – the biggest problem most agents have is ego. And so when we don't get the views that we think that we want or we should get from a video, uh, we think it sucks and we wonder why. And then you get a phone call from that one video. So let's prime example. A lot of my videos, the average in a week time frame is about 4,000, 5,000 views. If I get a video that has like 600 views on it, I'm like, what? This video sucks. And that's the ego in me. Yet then I get a call. 
hey, Jeremy, I saw this. You talked about this neighborhood. Hey, I want to come uh, take a look at that or maybe some other neighborhoods. Let me let me know. I'm like, oh, that's what was important was that it helped somebody to get off the fence, call me and actually set an appointment. Maybe I don't work with them, but that was more important than the amount of views. And I think as agents, when we're talking about people like, oh, you got seven a million views on TikTok. You know, I was standing on stage at an event recently with somebody who's a huge TikToker. And we were they, somebody asked like, how much did you do in GCI off of your platforms. And when I sold, told them mine compared to theirs, which were millions of views, everyone was shocked. Wow. How much I actually made off the channel versus, versus what they made off TikTok. Now, is that uh, made off the actual YouTube platform or made from commissions? Yeah, all, okay. all combined. Like, okay. Because, you I mean, obviously you get monetized. I, you know, I don't have any like ad space, but I am working with some people to put some ad space together. So that'll be monthly income that comes from the channel as well but then yeah clients and uh you know we, we have revenue model with with our brokerage so things like that i wanted to highlight something jeremy just you know touched on which was you know by our we kind of hold ourselves to a certain standard of I, i've got to hit four to five thousand views right for it to be like a banger video yeah um but sometimes you never know who's watching mm -hmm. right that's it is and don't delete your content yeah. You know, keep it out there. Like there's there's a reason in a in an audience for every video. And just because one is performing lower than the other, even if you're getting, you know, six hundred views like for yours, that's six hundred views that you wouldn't have gotten if you didn't put it out there. Right. And if that's six hundred unique viewers, my God, like what kind of opportunities can come from that? Here's the thing, uh, you don't know this, but Jordan, <laughs> when he first started he was doing a lot of videos and he was not seeing any results. And he was like, well, I just hate that you're getting all these results from these videos and, uh, and I'm not. And I, I hope I don't sound like that. And, man. and I was like, dude, just keep doing it. You're going to see results eventually. And guess what? He kept doing it and now he's freaking top producer. Well, there's, there's so many things that go into, um, like what you constitute as like why you do something, right? It's to educate, to attract buyers, yeah. to attract sellers, whatever the goal is, like it's clear, like you want to have that goal in mind, the more focused and, and uh, honed in on that before you get started kind of helps guide that video. Right. Um, and Jeremy's been a big inspiration for me. You're why I got into YouTube as a realtor. Nice. Didn't think that, um, you know, there was a space for it. And then when you see someone else who's killing it, you're like, dang, like that's amazing. Like I, like if, if I can do even just like a third of that, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that uh, that there's a space for it, that there's room for content of all sorts. Right. Um, and that you can, you know, you have seen with Jeremy's success with this, that there's a way to make it a, a system behind it to where it works for you. And it's not like this taxing thing that you have to, yeah. you know, to go do. You don't have to go door knock in front of uh, the Texas 113 degree heat you know, to, to attract buyers or sellers. So that's yeah. awesome. So when it comes to real estate, not necessarily YouTube, but what, what's your favorite thing about real estate? Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I, I like when you see when, here's the tough part. Once you've sold a home and you sell that home again and a home again, a home again, a home again, like after you sell a few homes, like it's just, it's part of the process. I like when you get those unique properties that you're like, man, if I hadn't been doing this, I wouldn't be standing here right now. Mm. Or I, what I love is what I absolutely love is when I have a client coming to town or maybe I meet a seller and they tell me their story and it's like, wow, that's a wild story. Like what's happening in your life is really important. So being part of that, being part of that, like life changing thing or being part of somebody's like, I had this woman who can't say who she was, but 
her husband was a famous actor and she was quite famous herself and he had passed away and she needed to sell the house. And she was in a very like turmoil time in her life in order to be there for her and go through this process and you know, answer all the questions. It wasn't, and and for her, it wasn't about the money she made on this, but she was losing. It was the last piece of her husband. Yeah. So I got to be there for selling the last real piece of her husband, who was this guy who was very charismatic, huge in Hollywood and, and all of this stuff. And I got to be there for, and that was a story I'll never forget. Yeah. You and I actually have very similar, like from that, not famous, but I actually closed a transaction today, which was, um, someone in my neighborhood who's, um, you know, her father was in, in Colorado and, and, you know, on hospice and, um, being able to be, to make something like selling her home so that she could go be with her dad and not worry about this. It's like, Hey, I'm going to take care of this down here for you. Go be with your dad. And, you know, he passed away, um, two days ago. So it was, so like, but the fact that she was able to focus on being with him and not have to worry about the transaction, I know it meant a lot to them. And that's part of what makes real estate such a unique, special thing. Um, so I love that you were able to, you know, kind of have that same experience where it's, you know, you're not just doing something transactional. You are getting involved in a very intimate part of people's lives. It's where they live. It's where they they grow up. It's where they grow old. Um, you never know the story behind the property that you're selling, and there's so much more to it. I love he- helping the couples that like have a kid on the way, and then a couple of years later, you you walk into that house to list the house, and the kid's there, and they have a ton of equity in the house. And when they were purchasing the house, they needed you know first down. Uh, you know, buyer programs or whatever, USDA. And then when they're sold the house, now they have all this equity that they can put into the next house. And it's like helping families build uh, generational wealth, you know? Yeah. That's actually why, if you watch my channel, I talk about property taxes so much. One of my first, well, I would say one of my first clients, but one of my early clients came to me because they had an agent who didn't explain how property taxes work. Now they were paying a ton of property taxes. They didn't know they were supposed to protest their valuations or how any of that worked. And they had to sell their house. And from there, they made a little bit of money, put them in a new home. They made more money. We've moved around a couple of times. I have somebody listing their house right now who's that exact story that you just said. Now they're moving into that bigger home. We were there before the second kid came. Like we were that like we, you know, yep. we, we, they had the one kid now they have two. So yeah, being part of those stories is a lot of fun. You get to see the progression of your clients' lives. Yeah. That's, and that's part of the reward in and of itself. For so. sure. How long have you been in real estate? Nine years. Nine years. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Um, I have a question kind of the opposite of John, not just your favorite thing. Is there anything you change about the industry? Um, just kind of as an example, I said maybe a higher barrier to entry, some kind of like background in customer service would be good or, or something like that. I know that that's maybe a limiting thing because not everyone has that experience, but right. you know, just an idea. Man, things I would change. It's tough because I feel like we were talking earlier about a situation that I had and had I been able to ask some of the other questions that weren't part, cause now I'm falling into fair housing rules. Had I been able to ask those questions, it would have stopped some of this happen. If you go watch my channel, I, I talk about, uh, a, a scam that happened. I would have crazy been able, video. Yeah. It's crazy I watched it video. as well. And it's, it's pretty wild. Had I been able to ask some of these questions earlier, I probably would have 
caught this, but had that been the other way and I'd asked those questions, I probably would have been sued for asking those questions. Yeah. So I would say some of the regulations around real estate need to be amended or looked at as far as, you know, those things, the barrier to entry thing I think is important. I think that really any real estate agent that comes into real estate needs to take a business course first. Mm -hmm. So here's, here's the thing you, you the barrier to entry is low because they don't teach anybody how to be a business owner or how to get business. Yes. They just teach you how not to potentially get sued. Yeah. Here's how to not get in trouble. Good luck. Yeah, it's nothing with how an actual sale works, how to put a home on the market. None of that is in the. So I think that would help if there was instead of 180 hours of courses, there was 210, right? And and 30 of those hours were here's how to run a business, here's how to look at a PNL, here's how to do this. I think that would be helpful, and that would actually make a better agent and a business owner, and it might prevent people from actually getting into real estate. Exactly. Ooh, I like exactly. Yeah. Like there's a certain there. I mean, we have a very important high risk job where we're talking about sometimes hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars at stake for people. Yeah. You should not just be some guy that had enough time, you know, to do 180 hours of classes and then just be trusted to, <laughs> to take care of people. Right. Yeah. I, I had an agent who was getting out of the business and they told me, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go get a finance job. I'm like, bro, you should not be in finance. <laughs> <laughs> you can't manage your time. I don't expect you to manage people's money. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, so uh, I want everybody to go check out your YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, please. But um, do you have any stories besides the one that you told us? Any crazy stories you want to share? Whether it's clients, transactions, oh, or, or anything. Yeah, I don't have any like everybody asks me that. I don't have any super wild stories other than the one that I can't really share fully sure. yet. But that scam was definitely intriguing how that came together. You know, man, I have so many good stories, but I can't think of a good one on top of my head. Sure, no worries. Yeah, we should probably should have warned. Yeah, you probably should give me. <laughs> yeah, John had one where he went to a, a listing, uh, or he was going to show a house to an out of town buyer. And from California. Yeah. And he like the door like wasn't uh I don't know, you you tell it, you tell it. It was a pretty good one. Yeah. So one time not too far from here, actually, it was a condo downtown. And uh I a client flew flew in from California and for some reason I couldn't open the door when we, we got to the listing. And um I was like, hmm, let me think. So I called the listing agent and he's like um, he's like, yeah, there's actually another lockbox. And so I was like, oh, cool, two lockboxes. So I, oh, I get the key, I go in, I'm showing them in the house on the bottom floor, and then out of nowhere we hear, and I'm like, what's going on? And so we look upstairs. I don't know, so I'm looking upstairs, and I'm like, there's somebody up there. So I go upstairs. Like, you don't know if it's a squatter or like, like know, am I in danger? A raccoon or something. <laughs> so uh, I, I try to open the door upstairs, and uh, it's locked. And I hear people in there, oh, my God, there's somebody here. Go, go, go. Go in the restroom. Go in the restroom. And it ends up, they were doing the dirty upstairs. <laughs> and it was an agent and their client. Oh. And so we go. I go back downstairs. I'm like, oh, uh, somebody's just showing the house to their client. Um, I didn't know. And so she comes downstairs. She's, she's like. The walk of shame. She's like fixing her hair. No joke. She's legitimately fixing her hair. And uh, they're like, okay, we're going to go. And I was like, wow. It's like something. That's a fun story. <laughs> I, I've, uh, you know, I, I, ha I have one story I think of. I had a client who the husband had left and the wife or girlfriend, whoever, had known that I was going to be there at 9 a.m. to, uh, you know, 
take photos. And uh, when I got there, I was like, man, the house is kind of a mess. So I'm picking up and I came across some things I probably shouldn't have seen. Oh, boy. And so <laughs> it, it, while he was out of town and I was like, oh, man, I uh, OK, how do I put these away? Because we're about to take photos. Uh, my wife actually had recently. This is about two months ago. A client was closing on a. She's a realtor as well, right? Yeah, my wife. Yeah, yeah she's on my team. She was closing a client that was moving from Canada, I believe, $1.3 million house, uh, brand new build. She gets there and she's like, man, the shower's on. That's weird. Walks in, there's a homeless person taking a photo <gasps> shower in the shower, naked, that's fully naked. Uh oh. That's a crazy story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is a crazy one. <laughs> that's look. crazy. Yeah. The worst part is my son was with her. Oh, oh no. no. Kind of fortunately, not fortunately, my son was with her. And so, you know, good thing nothing happened, everything resolved, the person left. It, but yeah, it could have been a really, really bad story. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, uh, before cool. we get into the rapid fire game, I've got Ooh, one last question sure. for you as far as like your master plan for what you like. I know you have the night group right now. Yeah. Um, what's your end game? Like we talk a lot about, you know, again, beginner agents out there aren't thinking about what the exit strategy is. You know, some yeah. people they're going to be buy and sell agents till the day they die. Right. Um, other people are, you know, one to, to either lead a team or somehow you know, make the business work for them so they can scale, you know, kind of tiptoe back yeah. out of the business. What does that look like for you? Yeah. So one thing I'm working on is, so I'm 41 right now. I'll be, by the time I'm 45, we're putting all the things in place to sell the business and I'll just continue to run the YouTube and they'll, whoever buys a business will pay me a yearly salary just to make content for them. Nice. So nice. I, I don't have to sell real estate anymore. So making content is, is a passion of yours that yeah. you will continue after after whatever the real estate game is. Yeah, I love the process with it. You know, you can make a video about anything and I think you can be as creative or not creative as you want and you'll have an audience for it. So the the content creation. Second thing I'm doing is uh we're we're buying a brokerage in Sao Padre and doing all the same content stuff like lifestyle stuff for Dang, in Sao Padre. That's exciting. I love South Padre. Yeah. So that's something we're working on right now. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But basically what I've done, replicate that in Sao Padre and fish, redfish all day. Very nice. I love that. I love that. So it is rapid fire time. Jordan, get your, your stopwatch out. You've got, yeah. we're going to do 30 seconds. All right, here we go. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to ask you six questions, and it's yes or no or short answer, right? So we're going to try to get through these quick, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. The housing market will get better in 2023. No. Would you give up a portion of your commission to save a deal? No. Would you rather work with buyers or sellers? We got him. Sellers. Would you rather work with a well-qualified but difficult family member or a barely qualified stranger? Probably the headache, yeah. Would you rather have a bigger house or more land? More land. You're a real estate agent superhero. What is your superpower? Negotiations, follow-up, or prospecting? Ooh, prospecting. No. Boom. Right at 30 seconds. Nailed it. Woo! Love that. That was awesome. Yeah. Cool. That was cool. So I don't think the market's going to get better. When, when I say better, I don't mean like it's going to crash. I don't think it's going to – everybody thinks, oh, we're going to see crazy year-over-year 
every year now since 2021, everybody's going to say, oh, we need to see crazy year over year numbers otherwise. Yeah. So I think what we're going to see is a lot of turmoil over the next year. I think we end up the year positive, though, mm, okay. because we ended up so low December 2022. Yeah. And both things can be true. Right. Like that's the other part to it is there's a lot of headlines out there. Yeah. There's a lot of information that's, you know, fishing for those clicks and stuff. But you can have, you know, a not as good year and still be positive. I heard this stat literally driving over here. And so this is something if you're an agent, you probably should pay attention to this. In January, we have 19,000 agents with ABOR. Woo. Okay. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> In January, only 4% closed homes. Wow. That's wow. Insane. That's crazy. But it's true. Yeah. I mean, everyone, it seems like everyone just has a license. Like, yeah. again, that low barrier to entry yeah. and, and things like that, like that all plays into so it. So we're the top 4%. 4%, <laughs> 4%, 4% yeah. of 19,000 ABOR members That's closed crazy. a home. In January. That's crazy. I sold four, so it's okay. Hey. <laughs> You're like, we're good. You're like, I made up for... I think I sold two or three. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got the... I've got the three this week. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's February. So you February. Got, so I'll, be yeah. the, the 6% in February. There we go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There we go. Hey, well, Jeremy, thank you so much. Tell for, us where we can get, get, where can people find you? What's your, yeah. how can they get a hold of you on your socials and everything? Yeah. I'm best. Uh, if you reach out to me on Instagram at the real Jeremy Knight, DM me on there. I usually get it to people pretty quick. That's the best place. You can always find my YouTube channel. Just search my name, Jeremy Knight. There it is. Man, we appreciate you so much. This was awesome. Yeah. This, hey. was, this was a great podcast episode. I We hope that it was you know packed with value. You got to hear it from one of the best in the business doing what he's doing. So go back, re-listen to it. Share it with a friend who may be in the same boat as you, uh, another agent who could, who could use this information. Again, taking away from what we've gone through will help you in your career on what to do, not to do. And it's just suggestions. It doesn't like if YouTube's not your thing, whatever. Like, give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. And also a few more things. One is that we're going to be doing a Rookie to Rockstar real estate class February 28th. Yep. Um, and then also, so if you want more information about that, hit us up. And then also, if you liked anything that you heard, please like, subscribe, like, subscribe and comment, or even leave us a review on iTunes. That would mean a lot. It helps more than you think. And so thank you guys so much for tuning in. Jeremy, thank you again for stopping yep. by. Thank you. And we'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace. See ya.